Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Today's reading is from 2 Peter uh, 3, the day of the Lord. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as, a reminder to, as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand uh, that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's words, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the, the, also the world of that time was del, uh, deluged and destroyed. Uh, by the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord as with the with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to, live like, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with wisdom that God gave him. He writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some of the things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless and, and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Uh, so we'll just pray before Jess uh, comes up. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to be able to, to come together and read your word and hear your word and, and learn from your word. And as Jez comes up to speak to us this evening, I pray that you would just speak through him, that um, our hearts would be open and receptive to, you, to your word and to your Holy Spirit, and that um, through Jez um, and, and the, 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 the teaching, the talk that he is going to give, that your word would be revealed to us in both new and renewed ways and that we would be able to, to take um, uh, the, the lessons from, from your word into our daily lives. Uh, we just thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. Sounds like I'm coming through on the system, thanks to the sound guys. Shout out to them. The technology is working. That's a good start. Well, it's almost the end of January, but it's still a little bit of a feeling, isn't it, in 2023, that we're looking ahead, aren't we, to the year ahead. And I wonder what dates you have in your diary. Maybe you have a dream holiday booked to the Maldives or County Kerry, you know, somewhere wonderful, and you're starting to get excited. You're looking up swim shorts online, you're saving up a bit of money, you're really beginning to anticipate that dream holiday to come. Or maybe the big date for you, like the little conversation I was just having just now, maybe the big date for you is your final exams at university. It's a bit more serious. So they're coming down the track and you're beginning to find the textbooks, blow the dust off them. Some of you are beginning to work out, I've heard of a building library something like that. You're trying to find your way to this mysterious building and start doing some work. We anticipate dates in the future, don't we? And we live in the light of them in the present. And what Peter has told us about in this passage that we just heard read is about a date in the future, the day of the Lord, that should really radically shape our life in the present. So we're going to notice two things today. Firstly, that we should expect the day of the Lord And secondly, that we should live in the light of it. So the first thing Peter wants to say to us is expect the day of the Lord. Let's get that up. Expect the day of the Lord. Well, last year, my wife and I, for the first time in order, watched the three Lord of the Rings films. They'd been out for 20 years, so we thought it's time. We we like to keep up to date with these things. So we finally watched them all in order over three successive Friday nights. And if you've seen the films, as I'm sure you have, you'll know they really build, don't they? There's drama, there's drama, there's highs and lows, and they're building up to a climax. And what Peter is pointing to us in this passage is the climax of God's plan. That day of the Lord, as he calls it, when the Lord Jesus Christ will return from heaven, where in the words of the creeds that you might have recited in other churches, He will come to judge the living and the dead, and where he will come to gather his people to himself. That's the day that Peter is pointing us towards in this passage. So I hope you have a Bible. If you do, we're going to be looking at it. If you're looking at one of the church Bibles, we're on page 921, so you can flick back up to that. And Peter tells us a few things about this day of the Lord. And the first thing is this. It's a day of judgment. It's a day of judgment. So if you have your Bible, look down at verse 7, the little number 7, and it says this, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Maybe that's a bit heavy, might be your reaction. It's a challenging thing, isn't it, to think that God will judge the world. Maybe some of you even find it a shocking thing to read a verse like that. And it could be that you're wrestling with the idea of judgment in the Bible, as many Christians have. But let's just think about it for a minute. I think our generation is perhaps more concerned with justice than maybe any other generation in history. There are great movements, aren't there, looking for racial justice. We've heard about Black Lives Matter over the last couple of years as a movement. People are concerned about abuses that happen in institutions, in the church, in secular institutions. People want those responsible to be held accountable. We're concerned about protection of vulnerable people, violence against women 
and girls in particular. We are a nation, a, a generation crying out for justice and for accountability. And the Bible tells us that God is interested in justice. More than that, in the book of Isaiah, it says God loves justice. And the day of the Lord tells us that there will be justice. There will be accountability. And this should be a comfort. A comfort to anyone who has faced grave injustice. A comfort to our generation that so longs for justice, for accountability. So the day of the Lord shows us that God cares, that he sees, that he hears, that he knows, that he loves justice, and that justice will be done. So Peter tells us the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. Secondly, he tells us, on the other side of the coin, it's a day of new creation. Look down with me at verse 13. Peter writes this, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, where righteousness dwells. The great Christian hope of the Bible is that God is going to set right all of that pain, those injustices that I've just talked about. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. What does that word mean? It's a bit of a technical Bible word, but it really means all that is right, all that is pure, all that is good, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is perfect is going to be in this place, this restored world, this perfect society. That's what God is creating. It will be a place, if I can stick with the Lord of the Rings theme and borrow the words of Tolkien, where everything sad comes untrue. And this is what our hearts are longing for, isn't it? Every time we cry out against pain, every time we see injustice and think that cannot be, is an indication that we know things are not right. And these longings that we have, this, these longings that our generation have for justice will be perfectly met and realized in this new heaven and earth that God promises. So it's a, a day, the day of the Lord, that brings about new creation. Now thirdly, it's also a doubted day. Some people don't think it's going to happen. I, I wonder if you were to go home and speak to your friends, your family who don't come to church, who wouldn't call themselves Christians, and tell them, I learned today that the Lord Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. What, what might they say? Well, some of them might be skeptical. Some of them might question that. And actually, it was just the same in Peter's day. If you have a look down at verse 3, he says, above all, you must understand in the last days, scoffers will come. I always find that's a, it's a fun word, isn't it? Scoffers. Scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So people will be skeptical about the day of the Lord. They were in Peter's day, they will be today. And I wonder, if someone challenged you and said, how do you know this day is going to happen? What would you say to them? What would you say to them? Well, Peter offers a couple of responses. And the first thing he says is that this is a day promised by God. Now, I have a friend you might have heard. I'm not uh, from my accent. I'm not originally from Ireland. I know some of you think it's very sad. I, I missed out on that. I didn't grow up here. I grew up in England. And I have a friend back home in England called Adam who's absolutely reliable. He's one of these guys. If he says he'll be somewhere, you know 
he's going to be there. In fact, one time we arranged to meet up at my house at 7 o'clock to go to another friend's house. And when 7 o'clock came, he arrived at the door, panting, exhausted. He had to lie down on the floor and recover. And I learned that he had been a bit delayed in getting ready to come to mine. But rather than be even a minute late and be a man who doesn't perfectly keep his word, he had sprinted across the village in his nice clothes, his proper shoes, to make it to my house on time. And actually, the funny thing was, I wasn't even ready. I was still in the shower when he got there. So I came out, my parents let him in. He was lying on the floor, gasping for breath. But he was a reliable guy. He's the kind of person who says something and who does what they say. And Peter wants us to be confident in what God has said on a vastly bigger scale than my friend Adam. Peter is saying that what God says will come to pass because God has been reliable in the past and so he'll be reliable in the future. So have a look with me down at verse 2. Peter says this, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Here Peter is pointing us to the words of the prophets, the words of the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, and to the words of our Saviour and the apostles, the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. And perhaps you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, Steve gave us a, a great talk where he explained why we should be confident that what the Bible says is really reliable. And if you didn't listen to that, I'd encourage you, go back and listen to it. You can find all of the sermons that are preached in this church on SoundCloud. You can go back, you can look them up, you can listen to them through the week, and you can listen to that talk and try and engage with this idea, why we can be so confident that the Bible is reliable. And Peter is essentially saying here, God speaks and it happens. And he gives a couple of examples. If you look down at verse 5, he gives the example of creation. God spoke at the beginning and this world in which we live came to be. Then in verse 6, God spoke and the flood of Noah came about. And then he links it to the day of the Lord in verse 7. Have a look down at that. Peter says, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are being kept for the day of judgment. So be confident in God's word, Peter is saying. What he said he will do, that is what he will do. He's promised the day of the Lord is coming so we can be confident in it. The next thing Peter tells us is that this is a day coming in God's timing. Now, are there any Man United fans here? Maybe, okay, a few brave souls putting their hands up. You'll know then, a few weeks ago, the Man United striker, Marcus Rashford, was punished. What was he punished for? Arriving late to a team meeting. He slept in. He didn't come to the team meeting on time, so his manager put him on the bench for the beginning of the next game as a substitute. And on match of the day, the kind of highlights analysis program that night, one of the pundits, Alan Shearer, was speaking about the importance of punctuality. And he said this, and I'll not try the Geordie accent. Um, he, uh, Alan Shearer said this. He said, uh, early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable. Early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable. That was the Alan Shearer philosophy. And there were some sticklers for time in Peter's day as well. You might say the Alan Shearers of their time who were saying, God is late. Why hasn't the day of the Lord happened? He hasn't come yet. Maybe it's not going to happen. And Peter is clear. This day is coming 
but it's coming in God's good timing. So look down with me at verses 8 and 9. These are probably the most famous verses of this passage, and they say this. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we have to understand God's timing. God isn't being slow. Instead, he's being, what does the passage say? Patient. He's being patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And I think this is important for us to hear. Maybe you come to a passage like this about the day of the Lord, and all this talk of judgment is difficult and challenging. But these verses show us the heart of God. He is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And the reality is, isn't it, that all of us deserve to be judged by God. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if I look at my life and if you look at your life, you'll recognize that in thought and word and deed, you have fallen short of God in countless ways. And more than that, there are countless good things you and I should have done that we didn't do. All of us deserve to be judged. And what's the difference between those who will be judged and those who will be saved, those who will dwell with God forever in the new heaven and the new earth? Did you notice what the passage said? The difference is repentance. It's not that there's one group of people who are perfect and good and have a great record and one terrible wrong group. No, the difference is there's one group who have repented and one group who haven't. And what does that mean? What does it mean to repent? Well, the first thing it means is to acknowledge that you've fallen short of God. To say, oh God, I recognize I've fallen short of you in so many ways. And it's to turn from putting your trust in yourself and instead putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've been here one Sunday where we've taken communion, the Lord's Supper together. And that communion, you know, will take the bread and the leader will say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. We remember the body of Jesus broken for us on the cross. And then we take the cup, remembering Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross. And as people take communion, it's a symbol that they're putting their trust not in themselves, but they're putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That's repentance, turning from trusting yourself and turning to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you. And that's the difference, as this passage says, between those who will be destroyed, those who will be judged, and those who will be saved, those who will dwell with God forever. So the question is, are you trusting in yourself and your own record? When the day of the Lord comes and you stand before him, are you going to say, judge me on what I've done, O God? Here I stand before you, confident as I am. Or are you going to say, God, nothing in my hands I bring, but I cling to the cross of Jesus Christ, and I put my trust in him alone to save me? Well, maybe you'd say you haven't done that yet. Maybe you wouldn't say you're following Jesus. If that's you, it's great that you're here. You're so welcome. And I'd encourage you, keep looking into these things. If you don't have a Bible, take one. 
Look at one of the Gospels, the biographies of the life of Jesus. Grab a Christian friend. Talk things through with them. Look into it more. Now, maybe uh, some of you are feeling a bit impatient. You're thinking, this has been a lot of interesting talk, but I have my diary ready. I have my highlighter. I want to know the date. When is the day of the Lord going to come? And that's an instinct that some Christians in, in history have uh, pursued. There have been some people, you can read about them, who've gone to great effort to try and pin down, based on this part of the Bible and that part of the Bible, what day is the return of Christ going to be? People have really tried to do that. But actually, Peter is clear in this passage that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return on a date we don't know. So you have to put those diaries away, unfortunately. Look down with me at verse 10. Peter writes this, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. This is an image that the Lord Jesus Christ often used in his parables. And when does a thief come to visit a house? Well, the homeowners, they don't know. They don't know. It's a surprise. If the thief was coming at an hour that people were expecting, well, they'd keep them out. But no, a thief comes at a surprising hour. And the day of the Lord will come like a thief at an hour that we are not expecting it. And so we have time. We've seen God is patient. God is being patient with us, but that patience is not infinite. The day of the Lord will come at a moment we're not expecting it. So let's seek God. Let's get right with him while the day of his patience lasts. So we're to expect the day of the Lord, and we've seen some features of that day of the Lord. We're to expect the day of the Lord, and secondly, we're to live in the light of it. We're to live in the light of it. Well, about 12 years ago, I entered the Nottingham Marathon. Has anyone done the Nottingham Marathon? Oh, no, it's a slim ask, I know. No one's done the Nottingham Marathon. Okay, well, uh, I entered it about 12 years ago. I was maybe 25. I was in reasonable shape, and I overestimated myself. I left myself about six weeks to train, which if you've ever done a marathon, you'll know is about two months uh, too little to train properly. I didn't buy new shoes. I didn't prepare properly. And on the day, I set off at a furious pace and aimed for an unrealistic time. And of course, about halfway around the course, one of my knees gave up. I had to retire. And that was the sorry end of my Nottingham Marathon career. And Peter doesn't want us to fail like I did in the Nottingham Marathon. And he shows us in these remaining verses of the chapter how we can be spiritually fit and ready to live in the light of the day of the Lord. In fact, if you look down at the passage, it's interesting to observe. The first 10 verses, what I've been speaking about so far, are all about the future, the day of the Lord. And the remaining verses from verse 11 onwards are all about how to live in the light of it, how to be spiritually fit in view of that day of the Lord to come. So four things that we'll notice about that. The first thing that Peter calls us to is to be godly. Let's have a look down at verse 11 in our Bibles. Verse 11, Peter says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And then in verse 14, he says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. It's a great challenge, isn't it? To live in the light of the day of the Lord means living a holy, 
spotless, blameless life at peace with God is quite a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge we should hear. What does it look like to live a godly life in your university, in your workplace, in your home life? What would it look like there? What would it look like to live a godly life in your use of time, in your use of your talents, in your use of your money and your resources? We're called to godliness. Now, my wife and I run a a city group in our house, and we had a a great gathering last Wednesday night. And at one point, one uh, member of the group came in, and they'd applied a beautiful fragrance to themselves. And it was extraordinary. Within just a few seconds, everyone in the room stopped and said, what's that smell, that that beautiful smell? It, It cut through. It was so powerful and beautiful. And my hope and my prayer is that we as a church... Wherever we go tomorrow, Monday morning, we would have some of that fragrance of godliness, the aroma of Christ, that people would perceive something about us that would point them to the Lord Jesus. So we're to be godly. And may God convict us where we need conviction. May he encourage us where we need encouragement. May he spur us on where we're living whole, uh, not living wholeheartedly in this area. So the next thing is we're to be anticipating We're to be anticipating. Let's look down at verse 13 and just note what it says. If we believe God's words, we will live with him, those who trust in Christ, will live with him in a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And Peter says three times in verse 12, in verse 13, and in verse 14 that we should be what? Looking forward to that day. We should be looking forward to what is to come, to our eternal home. And maybe some of us are in particular need of doing that at the moment. We're in need of that encouragement. Life is hard. Living for Jesus can feel like a slog at home, at work, at play. And we need the encouragement of knowing that God is preparing for us an eternal home. And I think it's a great encouragement to sing of that day, to speak of it, to think about it. We sung at the beginning, didn't we? He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. Aren't you looking forward to that day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes on the clouds? We read in Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Wouldn't you like to see the Lord Jesus Christ come back to your hometown on the clouds and every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? This is a day to look forward to. We heard at the beginning, Andrew read from John chapter 14, where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. Don't we long to be in that house that the Lord Jesus is preparing for us? Isn't that a wonderful thing to look forward to? So let's anticipate it. Let's be encouraged by it. I heard the story of the British Queen, Victoria, who in the 19th century heard a sermon by one of her chaplains on the day of the Lord. And she said to him afterwards, I would dearly love for the Lord Jesus to return in my lifetime. Why, your majesty, asked the chaplain. Because, said the queen, I would love to lay my crown down at his feet. She was anticipating that day. Let's anticipate it. Let's look forward to it. The next thing, the next way we can live in light of that day to come is by guarding by guarding. Look down with me at verse 17. Peter writes this, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, 
Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. You'll remember perhaps that 2 Peter chapter 2, the previous chapter, is all about this danger of false teaching, of falling away from your secure position. And Sharon spoke about that last week in detail. You can go back and revisit it. But Peter thinks it's still important, having spoken about it for a whole chapter, nonetheless to come back to it and warn again that we as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, need to be on our guard. And I think you'll know if you've been following Jesus for any time that it can be difficult. We face the world, the flesh, and the devil. There are countless ways in which we can stumble. And I'm sure you'll know friends, family maybe, as I do, who once were walking well, but whose zeal is dimmed a little bit, or perhaps who have fallen away completely. And that's such a discouragement, isn't it? And Peter is warning us, let's not be people who fall away. Let's press on. Let's press on. Let's be on our guard and press on. And there are practical ways we can be on our guard. I think of a, a friend um, who, who I knew back in England who, before she went out socializing with her friends on a night, would always think about her dress, her approach to drink, her approach to dancing. She would pray before she went. She would think through, when will be the time to come back home? She was guarding in a practical way so that she wasn't tempted beyond what she could bear. So let's be on our guard. And the final thing Peter wants to draw to our attention is this. The final way to live in the light of the day of the Lord is by growing. Let's look down at verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We're to seek growth. And the first sermon in, the, in this series was all about growth. Maffey spoke about that. He spoke about how God has given us everything we need to grow. It's not just that we grit our teeth, try and do loads of good things. God has given us what we need if we're following him to grow. We can grow in little steps, tiny little steps. And as we grow, it gives us great assurance that we belong to God. So we're to be growing. Think of a wonderful couple. I know both in their 70s, and although they've been Christians for more than 50 years, they haven't grown bitter or cynical or lazy. They still want to know more of God. I think of the man in that couple who said to me, Jez, I just want more. I want more of God. Don't you want more of God in 2023? As you look ahead at the year, you have plans for different things, no doubt. Why not aim this year to know more of God, to grow, to seek more of God, to understand his ways more, to dive more into the scriptures, to see him at work more in your, uh, in your environments. Let's be growing. Let's be hungry for God. We talked at the beginning, didn't we? What are your plans for 2023? How are those dates in your diary shaping your life? And the call of God in his word today has been that there's a day coming. We don't know when, but it's coming. The day of the Lord, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That more than any other date we have in our diary should be shaping our lives. So let's live in the light of it. At the end of the service, after we've sung uh, another couple of songs, there'll be an opportunity for people to respond. I don't know if God has challenged you in a particular way or encouraged you in a particular way, but some of us will be here at the front. We'd love to pray with you 
don't miss this moment. If God has been speaking to you, if you know there's some compromise in your life that you need to address, or you have a hunger to know God more this year, or even you know you've not put your trust in Christ yet, and today is the day for you, then don't miss this moment. At the end, come. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to support you in that. So as Dan begins to lead us, let me, let me pray. The very last words of the book of Second Peter are these. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Our Lord and God, we know there's a day coming. We don't know when, but it's a day you've promised when the Lord Jesus Christ will return to judge the living and the dead and to gather his people to himself. And we pray, O oh God, that you would help us live in the light of that, to be people who are pursuing godliness, to be people who are guarding against the temptations that war against our souls, to be people who are anticipating that day and who day by day are thinking about, singing about, speaking of their hope of eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray we'd be people in the meantime also who are growing, who are looking for more of you and knowing more of you and experiencing more of you day by day. And we pray in all of these things that we would bring much glory to you as a church. Would we in Christ City Church be a people who bring glory to you in all of our ways and as individuals also in the many different places in which you've put us, would we be bringing glory to you, we pray. So we thank you, our great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.